Down at Third Man, the cricket podcast. Talking all things cricket, from club cricket to million pound franchises to the Test Match Arena. Proudly supported by Woodstock Cricket. Welcome to the Down at Third Man podcast. We're into week eight, episode eight, and we've somehow managed to pass a thousand downloads and a thousand listens and a thousand followers all in the last week. So a big, big thank you to everyone of you listening, everyone of you following, everyone of you getting involved. It is really, really appreciated. Before we get going, as always, just want to say a big thank you to Woodstock who are supporting us. And remember that, obviously, if you're getting your kit for the new year, to go and give them a little look, have a good look at their kit. It's some really, really good stuff. And, of course, use our discount code. We get 25% off if you use the code THIRDMAN25. Right then, tonight we've got a really good show, hopefully, lined up for you. Now, sadly, we are down to just me and Aid because Jono is... Um, under piles upon piles of work, the joys of being a teacher. That's the reason why I left it a few years ago. Um, so sadly, Jono isn't with us, but I've got a few comments to come from Jono, from things Jono's passed on. And you never know, he might make a, a, an appearance halfway through. But, of course, I've got the ginger one with me. Dude, how are we? I'm all right, mate, how are you? Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad, mate. Jono's always liked anyway, mate, so he, he could wow. be on with. Yeah, I, I dropped. I gave you a lift into on Saturday to to your work party at the uh, Big Lend, expecting the chairman Jono to be there waiting so that I could pass on to him what I needed to and go straight away. Oh no, chairman's late for his own work. Somebody party. said in the group chat. Someone said, "What's the code for the gate so we can get in at ten o'clock?" He says, "Christ, you are really." I was like, "Mate, you told us to be here for 10 <laughs> Right, we have got a little bit of it. Uh, shall we say a substitution in for Jono though tonight? We've got our guest with us, as promised. We've got Worcestershire's captain. Um, and to be fair, as a lot of our listeners are from Staffordshire, so Staffordshire born and, we'll say bred, born and bred. Uh, Joe Leach, how are we, Joe? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Glad to, glad to have someone who actually knows something about cricket on from Staffordshire and not just us three plonkers to be fair. I don't expect too much. <laughs> right, well what we'll we'll do tonight is we'll start with with Joe and we'll have a little bit of a chat with Joe about everything from starting in cricket all the way through to what's happening now and sort of the twenty twenty one and cricket in the pandemic. We'll have a little chat on India versus England, but we'll try and keep the test series bit brief because Aid's already nice. depressed <laughs> by it all. Of course, we'll look ahead at the T20s and then we'll have a little look again at some club cricket stuff. And then I'm hoping that Joe may have a room 101 for us lined up as well, something he wants to get rid of. Um, so I'm sure that'll be fun. And the pros all seem to have quite a good record at the moment. All of theirs seem to be getting through, whereas Aussie amateurs. Some of ours are a bit don't seem to quite make the cut, do they, dude? I mean, oh, the draw, the draw went through for Benny Owl, but not. I was going to say I offered the same one, mate, and mine got turned down. <laughs> wow, they obviously, people obviously trust the pros more than us, understandably. Right then, um, so Joe, obviously, as I just said, you were born in sort of Staffordshire. You've um, went to Shrewsbury School. You put, you have played for Staffs as well as Shropshire. So how was it that you sort of got? Um, involved in cricket and sort of club cricket in the local area and how did that sort of progress on to 
moving obviously then across to Shropshire as well. Oh, very long story this. Um, yeah, so first club would uh, was Stone when I was probably six or seven, just playing, you know, with the blue bat, orange ball uh, type stuff, which is pretty common in junior cricket. And then, yeah, just played there, played up my age group quite a lot there. Because um, I think when I started, under 11s was probably the only club cricket you could play, pairs cricket. So used to get stuck in with like pads up to me hips and like basically just standing at the other end for an 11 year old who could actually whack it in Paris cricket um and yeah and then I played kind of for various clubs actually uh when I was up to under 13s I played for for Stone uh Milford Eckershaw uh yeah I've had several clubs when I was a lot younger I've become a bit more loyal when I got older but um sounds like me just a way of playing cricket, mate. I loved it um we I reckon in the summer I was playing every day of the week every day of the week and then when and then you know Sunday morning Sunday afternoon so yeah just every opportunity I could get and I guess we're lucky in the kind of staff region there's so many clubs and so much cricket available that could play kind of whenever we wanted really cool so how was it sort of you ended up going to Shrewsbury school which I think Anyone who sort of lives locally knows it's obviously quite a good school for for cricket and for sport. Um, I think is it Joe Hart was one of the many uh, alumni. Yeah, of the some school. pretty some pretty good names, mate. I um I lucked out with that completely, and <laughs> so the year above me, well, obviously, you know, um, but the year above me was James Taylor, um, and they built. Um, kind of an indoor purpose-built cricket centre in my second year there. So I practically lived in there from when I was like 15 through to 18. And yeah, I think if it wasn't for the fact I went there, that would have made it very difficult to kind of transition probably into the pro game when I did, um, kind of when I left. Um, So yeah, that experience was just obviously amazing. And that kind of meant that some of my ties moved kind of away from uh, Staffordshire, even though I played junior cricket and minor counties cricket. So I was 18, 19 with staffs. Some of my ties moved over towards Shrewsbury and I ended up playing club cricket for them and then minor counties for Shropshire as well. So what was it like playing minor counties? Obviously, we've had a few people on, a few pros on and we talk about like the county life but we haven't really spoke about sort of the minor counties and being sort of a youngster in minor counties so what's what's that like and how does it differ I guess to the sort of the, the major game yeah oh, it's... so I guess when I I first started playing for staff so I probably if I'm honest I probably wasn't ready I was I played for Stone and I owe a lot to Stone actually from when I was like 14, 15, I was playing first team cricket for them in a side that was, oh, it was like the side of the region. I'd say we won the treble and I think in, I think it's 2006 or 2005, one of those and won back to back league titles. And I was really lucky. Chris Banks initially as captain and then Brian Sims after him just let me bat really. Cause at that time when I was a teenager, I was, I was a batter kind of first and foremost. And they, they just put me in. They threw me in at the deep end at number three. And credit to like the, the other guys, they just they just let me get on with it. I think they could probably tell that I had a little bit of talent and I wasn't going to screw it up too much because I kept kicking my third or fourth ball 
uh, and get given out LBW, which seems to be the best, like the favourite thing for North Stats umpires to do. I kept booting, <laughs> booting balls. And then, uh, so kind of off that and through no real performance apart from potential and like doing well in the junior staff stuff, I got picked for the minor county stuff. I actually did probably better for them than I did for Stone, really. Although I'd played a couple of decent knocks for Stone, I think I got 50 on my debut for staffs um, at Bucks. And that standard, it was like quite a big step up because you've got the best club cricketers in the country kind of going at each other underneath that level of kind of pro cricket, which is different. Pro cricket is different from league cricket and minor counties cricket, but that's not to take away from the standard that minor counties is because it's very good. Yeah, Pat Brown spoke about going back to club cricket, didn't he, dude? And um, not knowing what to do because he did, he wasn't sure the batsmen knew what they were doing, and so he didn't know how to bowl to them, and he just was finding himself struggling to bowl and power plays, which made us laugh. And I'm sure, obviously, knowing Pat, that you can, you can sort of imagine that. I can imagine Pat would have been pretty angry actually going back to club cricket. <laughs> he was pretty angry at the best of times. Um, <laughs> so I can imagine some poor bloke copped it. But yeah, it's it is different, like. And the thing I say about minor counties cricket, when they ask me, I get asked this question a lot because um, kind of coming through the minor counties pathway into pro cricket, I guess people are always like, oh, he's such a good player at minor counties uh, level. How's he never made it in the programme? And it's it's hard to explain like how different it is, like speed of the ball, bounce of the ball is, is a lot quicker. Um, in the pro game than it is in in minor counties cricket. And some guys probably find that transition harder than they might expect, I guess. Now, obviously, you also went to university and played for Leeds, Bradford, MCCU. Mm-hmm. What what was that like? Because obviously, we've, say, we've spoke to a few pros, but they've all sort of been people who've sort of come through academies and none of them had really been to sort of the university and played for an MCCU team. So just wondered how sort of what that was like and whether you think that's one of the better ways to almost come through or yeah. whether it maybe lets you that like, has bits that are missing maybe compared to being just directly in the academy. So I was directly in the academy and I just wasn't good enough at 19 to be a pro. That was, that was it. So I basically had no other choice and I went to Leeds to kind of try and bridge the gap, I guess, and give myself the best possible chance of playing against. To be perfectly honest with you, I was on the academy at Worcester. I'd had a summer contract and then being told that I wasn't good enough to be a full-time pro. So kind of went away to Leeds thinking, well, it at least puts me in the shop window for other counties, if nothing mm. else. And um, it was an amazing experience. We Again, I was lucky the time I went there. We had a very good team, which meant we were competitive when we played against the counties. And it's a real shame because that system looks like it's going to kind of disappear over the next two or three years. And I think a lot of good players will fall out of fall out of kind of the game because of it, because it's uh, it's basically like being a pro whilst being at uni, just away from county cricket. Yeah, that was sort of I noticed obviously quite a lot of people are talking about it looks like it will be the end sort of the end of the university programme. And a lot of people have obviously come through it and it does seem Seems to well, was, I guess any any sort of pro cricket looks good to us to us too. But um, it does seem like a really good way to come through, and like obviously it gives you something else as well on on top of your cricket that means that you've always got something I guess to to fall back on. So 
it does seem like it'd be a real shame for something like that to end. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm a massive fan of it. And actually, I think if you asked, I don't know whether you've asked Pat and Benny this and some of the other pros you've had on, but if you ask the guys, the guys who tend to cope best with pro cricket and the kind of ups and downs of it are the ones who've got a bit of perspective and the ones who've got kind of something away from the game. Whereas the people who are like, inundated in it since they're like 15 16 and then they just that's all they've got like that's their their identity gets kind of tied to their cricket performance as opposed to being a person in your own right and then like cricket goes good or bad do you know what i mean just the same way that that happens on a saturday um i think it's important that you've got kind of your own personality and your own interests and your own stuff aside from the game otherwise it's a pretty brutal game. It gobbles you up. Yeah, that makes loads of sense, to be fair. I think, as you say, having something else so you're not just sort of Joe the cricketer, Pat the cricketer, or whatever it may be, I think, obviously, must must really help. Obviously, you did end up back at Worcestershire. So what was that like, sort of, ending up back at Worcestershire, being back part of it, and having quite, well, a very successful time of it, too, if we're being honest? Yeah, well... So I was kind of summer contracted through um, my time at Leeds. So after I finished at university, I kind of went there and then I got offered a full-time deal um, kind of midway through the university stuff, which meant I left uh, uni. Um, And to be fair, mate, it was a a pretty big leap going full-time. Like, probably wasn't fit enough. Um, Well, definitely wasn't fit enough after two years in Leeds. Um, and like the, the stand, I that was kind of the point that I realised that I needed to find another string to my bow. My batting was never going to quite be good enough. Probably I'd made my debut in 2012 as a batter in Division One uh, and got hobbed like four or five times. And I think they were like, "We need to." It's a shame we've offered you a contract because otherwise we'd be showing you the door. So <laughs> kind of spend that winter. Um, like obviously trying to improve my batting, but then also realizing that my bowling could kind of come into come into play as well because I'd always bowled. Um, and yeah, I guess as like career develops, you're just desperate to find any way to get into the side, and that kind of happened with being kind of a genuine all rounder who could bowl as like the fourth bowler. And then as my careers developed, I got given the new ball in. 2014 or 15 I think it was and probably haven't looked back since then it all kind of happened very quickly um, and continues to happen very quickly to be fair (laughs) so you obviously mentioned sort of 14 15 and now I think is it in 2016 you go on to obviously win Div 2 was it and also similar time take over from Dal Mitchell as the captain what what was all that like that sounds like a very good sort of 12 to 24 months to, to have 2000, a so 2017 we won division two and that was my first year as captain as well so that was probably uh like individually my like my best day in cricket when we won division two at the end of that year um yeah it was just amazing really it, hard to describe kind of i i'd gone from not starting in the side at the beginning of 2015 to being vice captain at the end of that year and then captain 12 months after that. So like I said, it happened very quickly and you 
don't really have time to think about it. And then obviously with success happening so quickly, it was like, you know, this is a piece of cake. Um, what's what's everyone making such a big fuss about it? For? Why is Mike really writing massive books? <laughs> it's pretty easy, isn't it? Um, and then obviously kind of wheels fell off the year after with a stress fracture and we got relegated from division one. So like cricket does bite in the ass when it wants to. And yeah, you have to ride the highs and the lows and try and stay as consistent as you can, I guess. <laughs> that was actually going to be my next thing. So obviously, as you say, the year after you suffer from the stress fracture, there's the relegation, but I guess there was also a bit of good, sort of good news for Worcestershire in that, Obviously, he went, they went and won the blast, which I think most of us saw on TV with Moeen Ali being one of the ones that led the way. Um, and was it Ben Cox as well, was it, as well, leading the way in the final? Um, what what was it like that season? Obviously, you've had such a good season before and with Skipper, and then to, to basically miss it all through injury, see the team obviously go down, but then... Have such a good day out. Everyone talks about finals day being obviously one of the best days on the calendar. What what was it like not being able to be a part of that, even though you were club captain? Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, no one's actually ever asked me that before because everyone just kind of assumes that you get swept away, swept kind of away with the emotion of it. And it was the best day ever, finals day. But I guess it's the same in any for any professional sportsman. If you're not on the field it does take a little bit away from you. Um, and like, obviously it had been a tough three or four months with not being able to play anyway and not having any control over kind of the bad, which was the Red Bull cricket kind of spiraling out of control in the way we were losing in Division 1. And then the White Bull cricket, Mo came back and he captained the team absolutely amazingly. Um, he just kind of, you could see snippets of Owen Morgan in the way he was doing it. And the guys responded amazing. And that, that finals day win was like, like I'd say the Durham day was my best day, but that one was pretty close. And considering I wasn't playing, I can only think what it was like for the lads who were playing. Cause it's, it's so cool being in the middle of Edgebaston and having 24,000 people singing and stuff, beer going everywhere. It's the <laughs> whole, that Holly stand. It's, it's pretty special. Um, and kind of, um, to see guys I'd actually grown up with since 15, 16 win it was was very, very special. And then obviously the, the year after got there again, but obviously lost last ball, which was um, like having Christmas Day and then getting it taken away from you at the last minute, I guess. I guess at least in 2018, surely you were allowed to have a, have a beer in hand then, unlike the rest of the lads. Absolutely, yeah. The game. We got, we got, um, <laughs> I know, not during the game. I, I, was, I probably could have snuck off and got away with it, but I did the right thing and just sat on the balcony, just making sure my mug was there in case the cameras came round. Um, <laughs> and then uh, after it was, yeah, it was pretty good. We got booted out of Edgebaston in the end. I think they'd had enough of us about two in the morning. So um, no, that was that was one of the one of the great celebrations. Sounds like a sounds like a good little circuit going on after that game. I would imagine. <laughs> Um, so, so obviously, last sort of last year, cricket and lockdown. But I guess you guys really had what would be considered quite a successful season in that you came second, obviously in the 
in the central group, only just really missed out on that Bob Willis Trophy final. What was what's cricket been like, sort of, in the pandemic and lockdown? And how did you find the Bob Willis Trophy compared to obviously the the old two divisions? Um, well, it's obviously been pretty weird. I mean, the good thing we have as cricketers is that we're used to playing in front of one man and his dog, so it doesn't make a difference really whether there's fans there or not. Um, <laughs> So the standard of cricket was actually really good um, last year. I thought, like, I don't know what you guys think, but watching the football now, like, I don't think the standard's as good without crowds. It certainly doesn't feel feel as good. But from my opinion, the cricket last year was just as good, just as intense, um, probably because it was only four or five games. And, yeah, we had a really good season. We started to make some um, pretty good steps. I really like the format of what they're trying to do with the Bob Willis Trophy, where every team can win it at the start of the year. I know that um, some teams at the top of kind of Division One might argue that they've earned the right to be up there and why should they have to play against kind of teams 16, 17, 17, 18. But if you look at the final of that tournament last year with Essex playing Somerset, they're the best two teams in the country for the past five years. And they managed to get there. So it goes to show that the system works. Um, so, yeah, I know this, the traditionists might like the two divisions, but um, I think all county fans want to have an interest in something from the start of the season. And if you're at, looking like you're going to be at the bottom of Division 2, um, there's not really much to cheer about, is there, I guess? <laughs> no, I think you just made sort of the point that I've been sort of saying every time people, I've seen people sort of on about... I've, going away from the two divisions. As you say, like, I'm pretty sure in 2019, it was, was it yourselves and Leicestershire towards the bottom of Div 2, and yet both teams, up until I think their last game or the last two games in the Bob Willis Trophy, had a genuine chance of reaching the final. And I, surely that can only be a good thing for cricket across the country, having every, te- every team having such a good chance of making the final. And as you say, two best teams still made the final and still had a good final to take part in. But yeah, I think... I think it was really good to see teams, other teams having a real good chance and a real good go at getting there. I think it, it was definitely a, a positive from me anyway. So looking ahead, obviously, at this the year ahead, it's slightly different again. But what are you, what are you sort of thinking, Worcestershire? Obviously, I'm assuming you're back in pre-season training now. So what what is everyone's sort of thoughts and targets for the year ahead? Um, well... So it's very similar format with this kind of Bob Willis trophy again, except the groups are slightly bigger. So we've, we've got a pretty tough group, but one that we expected challenging actually the way we played last year. So we've got Essex, uh, Warwickshire, Notts, Durham and Derby. Um, and then the top two go into kind of like um, a super league in September. Um, there's three leagues in September. So our aim is to get into the top league. To be to be honest, mate, like if we um, if we play as we know we can, we have a bit of luck and all that kind of stuff, and you know sneaking into that top two is something I think we should definitely be setting our targets on. Um, I know like every manager, captain, or coach or whatever has to say that, but I I do genuinely think I you know I setting like this, you can probably be a bit more honest where it's an informal podcast, you know, like I I do genuinely think we've got a chance of doing that if we play decent cricket if we don't 
there's also a chance we could come sixth. You know, like that's been uh, been perfectly honest. But I'd like to think if we continue to improve like we did last year, I think we can uh, be towards the top of that. And then in white ball cricket, um, who knows? You know, 2020 is a bit of a lottery, isn't it? Year to year. Like if you get on a run, it can take you all the way. And then like we saw last year, we lost the first two or three and you get on a momentum that way and you can't seem to get out of it. That's just the nature of 2020 cricket. Um, So, yeah, and I guess we haven't really been affected by the 100 too much for our 50 oversight. So I'd expect us to have a really good side in that, to be honest, because we lose two or three, but not as many as some of the other teams. Mm. Are you hoping to yourself to play all three formats? And what are sort of your aims for this year? Is there any, have you set yourself any targets or is it just a case of trying to play, stay injury free and play as well as you can? Yeah, I guess play as well as I can. I obviously, I haven't played much 2020 cricket since my injury actually. So, I'd love to get back into that side, especially given the success we've had in recent times. But I'm getting on, I'm 30, which is over the hill if you're a sportsman. So, um, you know, get get these red, this Red Bull block out of the way and see how we go. But I am desperate to play um, some 2020 cricket. Um, I'm captain of the 50 over side, so I'll obviously play that because I'm not going to drop myself. So, <laughs> Captain's prerogative, I liked. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. If you're in, if you think you're in, it's this classic one, isn't it? If you think you're in danger of getting booted from the first team, just volunteer to be captain and collect the team money. So, so that's me now. That's exactly that's what most play so many games for us. That I know. Is. That's why I was. I've been third team captain for the last few years. Just make sure I get a game every weekend. <laughs> Best way, me. Uh, sort of last one before we give you a couple of uh, our Twitter followers questions. What are you thinking, sort of, for yourself as you look at the rest of your career, and then after, obviously, your cricketing career? Obviously, I'm sure you're still hoping you can go on like Darren Stevens for another 15 years. But <laughs> um, what 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 are you sort of looking ahead into the future? What are you, what are you thinking for yourself? Oh, uh, I haven't really got anything nailed down to be honest. Um, doing a master's actually in the moment in leadership in sport, which is. Um, Ed Smith, the chairman of selectors, it's his course. So I'm doing that at the moment. Um, but I'm pretty open-minded. If anyone's got any ideas, please <laughs> drop a message. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know, really. Um, I've got a couple of years left on my contract. Hopefully, as you say, can go on beyond that because still feel like I've got plenty of years left in me. But also, do you have to be realistic, I suppose, that, you know, uh, certainly at my age, you know, or any professional sportsman, you're only an injury away from it being the end of your career. So, no, nothing lined up as of yet. But as I say, if anyone's got any ideas, let me know. I've heard you could you could do a great job as a sub pro at Wedgwood Cricket Club occasionally. That's <laughs> but you, you've got to be willing to pay for a pint and for just a pint and a packet of scampi fries. That's the only issue. No, I'd be all over that. Don't get me started <laughs> on. I listened to um, your guys' podcast last week about. Uh, payment in the North Staffs League so let's not start that again <laughs> that might get mentioned a little bit later on um, <laughs> right we'll move on to our followers questions so we've got add three followers questions in must be our only three followers yeah. um, first one is from Andy Mountford who was on last week from Betley he basically just wanted to know what what was what was the pinnacle of your career and why was it playing against Betley in the North Staffs League yeah 
that was one of the highlights of my career. Like you say <laughs> about, so what? Yeah, 2017. So this is like peak. I think it was three weeks or four weeks before we won Division Two. So like four weeks after this, I'm picking up the trophy in front of like 1,500 people at New Road. We just steamrolled at Durham. Rewind four weeks. I'm at Betley. Uh, walk out to batter number five. I get dropped first ball put at point. Um, everyone's looking at me like, who the fuck is this bloke? <laughs> then played and missed it too, I think. And then I got caught deep cover, fourth ball for naught. So I was like naught for two, probably naught for three. And then uh, bowled, from, bowled up the hill. Didn't even get the didn't didn't even get choice of ends. Ben Cotton got choice of ends. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we bowled him out pretty cheap. I think um, it's classic. Like I don't I don't know if it's still the case, but North Staff League, I have never experienced so much sledging as in the North Staff League. Even when I was fifteen, <laughs> like I don't know whether it's just like people are just angry from work or whatever it is, but. There, when I was at Stone, yeah. I copped it, and then yeah, I copped a little bit that day as well. I think it's just people being angry from about the fact that they still have to live and work in Stoke. I think that might be what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think like at one point it was like he shouldn't be allowed to bowl at me. He's a pro cricketer, and I'm thinking, well, I don't like. I what am I meant to do here? Like, do you <laughs> want me to like refuse to bowl? Like, um. Yeah, it's it is funny actually. Like, um, and that's actually my only ever experience of playing at Betley. What a place! <laughs> yeah, not the not the biggest of grounds and slightly odd ground. I've almost seen a horse get killed before because they were in danger in the next field. Um, on to the next question, and you've sort of almost hinted at it, but uh, Nick Maskery asked us from me or Eve asked us about what was the best ever sledge that you've given and the best ever sledge that you've received. Yeah. Uh, you can, I'll let you decide what best is, whether it's the most offensive or like the funniest. Yeah, I, saw, I saw this on Twitter. I can't, I must have, I have so much, so many about like the size of my head and stuff. Um, <laughs> Can I come back to that at some point later in the podcast? Yeah, we'll bring you back. I, at the, we'll I did back think, at the have a think about this, but I don't. I don't want to because I've I've seen and heard some beauty, so I don't want to let that one go without <laughs> giving you a decent answer. And then our last question from followers from James Tavi, who's a North Hants fan, and he's basically all he was asking was, could you please um, drop yourself from the county championship game against North Hants next year? Because apparently, you always do really well. And he's getting a little bit sick of the sight of you by the sound of it. Yeah, well, if you're a seam bowler at North Hans and you don't do well, then you need you need sacking. <laughs> well, well, we'll bear that in mind for any future guests we have from North Hans. Yeah, please do. Let them know. <laughs> right, we're going to... First of all, thanks for being so honest and sort of being great to chat to about all the different things that we've spoke about already. But we're now going to try something a little bit different, uh, something suggested to us by Jono, who's not here tonight which is a quick fire round. So I can't believe I'm going to do this. We're going to trust aid to time one minute. And in one minute, I'm going to, we're going to try and get through as many quick questions as we can. So I did at one point consider trying to count how many you did and making it like a little competition each week, but I realise that, to be honest, I'm probably going to waste half of the time stumbling over my weird asking. So, so is this a right or wrong thing? Or... 
you've it, you'll you'll soon realise it. It's just literally give your opinion. There's no right or wrong. Right. Well, I guess there the could be, but um, not in our eyes. We don't mind. Okay. Are you ready, Aid? Yeah. Tell me when to go, mate. Well, you tell me when to go because <laughs> you're the one who's timing, mate. Ready? Three, two, one, go. High score. One five eight. Best figures. Six for seventy-something. Favourite county cricket ground? New Road. Favourite club cricket ground? Uh, Shrewsbury. Uh, White ball or red ball? Red ball. Favourite food? Uh, Pizza. Favourite drink? Beer. Favourite TV show? Uh, Grand Tour. Oh, good choice. Uh, Favourite film? Uh, Moneyball. Favourite band? Uh, Killers. Nice. Uh, Pre-match song? Uh, Read My Mind. Biggest fear? Um, Snakes. And that'll do. <laughs> Snakes, the same as aid. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a bit disappointed because I really want to get to the next one, which is a bit of a topical one. So I'm just going to ask it anyway. Favourite member of the royal family? <laughs> um, Prince William. I thought it was going with the dream woman one. You've got to ask that one as well. Oh, yeah. I've got later on dream girlfriend, but I don't know if that's going to cause you trouble at home. So I wasn't Yeah, the wife is, so that. be careful. <laughs> um, Save that. Save that one for another time. <laughs> yeah. i tell you what. That is so hard. I literally just, what, some of those things definitely aren't my favourite, but I just made them up. <laughs> well, a bit of pressure. See how you deal with the pressure. That was, that was yeah, the obviously not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers for that. Um, hopefully you're going to stick around with us now to talk about the rest of cricket that we've got to t- chat about. Um, definitely. But, uh, if you don't feel like slating off for the England team, like Aid might do in a minute, I don't, we understand. <laughs> can't help himself. So, Dude, it's your favourite time. No, turn it off. <laughs> it's time to talk about India versus England and the Test Series. Obviously, we lost the fourth Test quite comfortably in the end. Obviously, we lost 3-1. Any final words? Because I'm not even going to bother trying to sum it up with you. I just want any fa- any final words. It just kept getting me hopes up every single time. And then I was just like, oh, I'll get up at five now. Because like, you know, if you, like, you wake up and you think, oh, I'll turn it on to the score. And then say if we got two, was it two hundred in that last one? And we got one hundred and forty for six. I'm thinking, oh yeah, sod sleep. We'll, we'll get, we'll get through it. Get the coffee on. And then at the end of the day, you're like, why does he even bother? <laughs> well, just ask, obviously, because you are, you obviously know a lot more about cricket than us, we're sure, Joe. What did he, you think of sort of the the series and the pitches and the umpiring and all the different controversies that there was? Did did you think it was as sort of bad as people made out, or do you think it was maybe people making mountains out of molehills? Uh, yeah. So the pitches like weren't great, were they? Like, I think I know Coley and the Indian team have come out and said, you know, it was bad batting and stuff like that, but it wasn't, was it? Like those pitches were shocking. <clears throat> but having said that, I don't know what you guys think. I thought I thought it was like really absorbing to watch. Like, once you started watching it, you couldn't stop. And, like, I do agree with some of the Indian players' points that why should 
a green seamer in England in April be fine, but then when it spins here, it's not okay. I do, I do get that point. I thought, I thought like India are obviously going to beat us in those conditions, and they were the better side. I don't think England were probably as bad as it looks, or Indian were necessarily as good as it looks. I think if it wasn't for Joe Root in the first test, it would have been a whitewash, wouldn't it? So, yeah, Ruti, Ruti saved us the total embarrassment. The only thing I'm going to ask further about the test series is I just want one person each who has impressed you, and then one person who has you think is now probably, shall we say, lost their spot or maybe lost their spot in the squad. So I'll go first. Impressed for me was, I'm going to go Dan Lawrence. Really impressed me in that last game. And the one, and I think, to be fair, he'd be I would be looking to keep him in in the future. I must admit, he'd be one of the first names on my sheet for New Zealand. Ones who didn't, I hate to say because I love him, but I think Johnny Bairstow, I think that's possibly, probably the end of the test series what do you think dude i'm gonna go lawrence myself i'm gonna go just from that one test for ollie stone he, he impressed mm. me um you know being chucked in in india and you know how, how well he bowled how consistent he was his pace was up there you know i i, I felt like he maybe should have had another game but you know it is hard not to pick archer and broad and and all them um and they had yeah i can't really Go any different than Burst, I don't think. I do think, you know... You're not being back... Roy Burns. <laughs> Ooh, if you only had one game... Well, yeah, Burns or Burst, I think. But um, I think Burst was let to play because he's an half-decent player with spin. But I think once we get back home and stuff like that, I don't think he's probably going to make the squad, is he? Who impressed you, Joe? And if you want to pick someone out who you, you thought didn't impress you, you can't. Yeah. If not, we understand. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to hammer someone, but I think, <laughs> I think I'd tell you. I thought Anderson actually, like considering the conditions, like and he bowls 80 mile an hour. Like everyone would say that he'd struggle, but he didn't, did he? He still just proved he's an absolute genius. Um, and I thought actually, my namesake bowled really well considering he's an English spinner. Um, it, you know, in foreign condition, I thought he bowled really, really well. Um, I think the top order obviously struggled with, with like the flip side of it. They obviously really struggled and they've got to find a way to, I guess, to have any kind of longevity, they're going to have to find a way to score runs in those conditions because I think all of them are capable in English conditions and they'll be fine actually in Australia and New Zealand and South Africa. But, to have any kind of longevity, you need to be able to play in the subcontinent, don't you? So they're going to have to find a method to do that. Yeah. Just a quick one, actually. Have you ever had sort of the experience or the chance to play in different conditions? And if so, how did, how did you find it? Because obviously a lot of people are saying, oh, it's really, some are saying it's really difficult. And then other expos are saying, oh, it's not that difficult. You just need to spend a bit of time. So interested to see what people, what, what you think. Yeah, I've been to India. I've done two weeks in India before. That is different, um, but I wasn't playing against like Ashwin. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like Ashwin is probably one of the greatest spinners ever. Having played with him in England as well, um, I played in Australia. Australia's cool. Like actually, the North Staff is not a bad. You know how like everyone's like, oh, they're really competitive in Australia. Like they gob you if you're a pommy and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I was like, honestly, 
just pop down to the North Staffs League and just watch that. <laughs> what an <laughs> advert this is going to be for the North Staffs League. Basically, know, yeah. if you want to prepare for the Ashes, boys, come and, come and have a dig in North Staffs. Absolutely. Alec Pope yeah, can have a game for us. <laughs> go and stand in front of the, the little terrace at Port Hill for an hour while Ryan Nurse has got his... Yeah, got his uh, tail up. Yeah, it, it's... um. It's it's cool. It's still cricket, mate. Fundamentally, it's you know we've been to Dubai a lot. The wickets are a bit different. Again, it depends who you're playing against. If you're playing against people whose that's their conditions, you're always going to struggle for a period of time. And it doesn't. I fully expect actually everyone's going nuts about India steamrolling us uh, over there. They're going to come here this summer, and I think they'll probably get it back because their batting didn't look too flash did it to be fair and I'd like to see Anderson Broad and all of them you know at Trent Bridge and Edgebaston and stuff with a with a red dukes I think it'll be a completely different game yeah I think um, we'll return the favour I think it, it'll be a it'll be a close series and as in the ma- some of the matches will be close and they'll have them flow but as you say I think England should be too strong for them and people keep going on about sort of Gill opening the batting and Rohit Sharma but Every time a ball swung the slightest bit, they looked in, in trouble in India. So I can't see a green seamer in England um, doing them too well. Which is good for us. It's good for aid. It might keep you happy for a change, mate. Mm. <laughs> I, th- I think they might. Well, it'll be harsh on late 20, but I think they could, if they, if they do play green seamers, they could end up playing four, four seamers. Obviously, have Stokes as your fifth one and maybe Root as your spinner, but it all depends on the work it's done Yeah. Right, we'll move on to the white ball series and seeing as it starts tomorrow. And well, I'm excited for it. I don't know. It seems on Twitter it's a mixed bag. People are either really excited for it or aren't bothered because they're still upset that we've we've lost a red ball series to the to India and are still upset because Chris Silverwood dared say that we might have to rest and rotate people in the summer and in the Ashes, which to me was no shock, but. Seems to have upset a lot of people. So, are you too excited by the White Ball series, dude? I am, yeah, because I've got someone to look forward to and watch in the afternoon. So. <laughs> Feel no life. What yeah, about? Obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're clearly a lot better at the White Ball stuff, aren't we, at the men? Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously they're a very good side as well. And I, I just think it could be like 3 2, but I couldn't really say either way, you know. Or if, you know, one of the teams gets in a little run, you know, it could be 4 1 or something. But I think. I think it's going to be close games, more or less, you know, every single game. Um, and you're probably going to see higher scores, I'd say, on. Yeah, I think so. What's it like, Joe, as a professional player when, obviously, you've got all the cricket on? Do you, do you still look forward to it as much as us uh, little club cricket saddos, or do you find yeah, it a mate, little bit, bit massively. No, massively. Watch it all. I've been, uh, I've watched the vast majority of the Test Series. And uh, yeah, I'll be watching this 2020 stuff. I think it'll be, as you say, it's proper spectacle, isn't it? Like 22 of the best players in the world because we, both of us, both sides are just full of absolute jet. Like it's scary, really, the people who aren't even playing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of strength and depth on strength in depth on show. So I guess we'll come to predictions in a minute. I like. As all have a prediction, but first, who would you actually pick for this first game? I think it's fair to say that probably the top six are more or less nailed on. And I think, as you were saying to me before, Aid, I think Archer, Rashid, and Jordan, Jordan, I couldn't think of that, are, are, are nailed on. But 
but there's still a couple of spots up for grabs. So, A, do you think they're just going to England will just play the best team the whole way through? And B, who would you be picking as that best team? If so, I think I think they'll play the strongest side for the for the whole five. I think because when we played in South Africa, when we had more or less our best team, we didn't really change much, did we? I don't think. Um, and I think, yeah, like I say, the top six pretty nailed on. I think they're going to pick Moeen Ali because one, he can he can let you come in enough ten balls get you you know close to thirty or forty, can't he? You know, um, and also he's that second spinner which I think you might need in India. Um, and then it's probably between probably one of Sam Curran at eight, and then you've got like Woods and Tom Curran probably into it, I'd say. Um, but I think Rashid. Jordan and Archer, unless you've got injuries or whatever, I think them three are nailed on, aren't they? What do you think, Joe? Do you think we'll we'll go for our strongest team, or do you think Morgan might mix it up a little bit throughout? And who who would you go for? I'm assuming you're going to say that Moe and Ali is going to be your choice at yeah, number seven. Mo <laughs> Mo is going to play at seven, obviously. I actually I think they might thinking about the World 2020. I think they might actually try a few different combinations over the five games. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think probably because of how he performed in the IPL, I think Sam Curran probably nudges ahead of those others for that bowling spot that you guys were talking about then. But I think they're going to want to give all of them experience in India, I guess. The other thing they could do, I suppose, is if um, Moeen and Sam Curran are batting well enough, they could potentially leave out one of the top six, which I know is a bit controversial, and play another seamer, maybe Wood or something like that. I don't. They. That's the beauty about it. They've just got so many options. Um, they're a good side, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> really good side. I think like I. I would have said, Sam Curran. Um, just he just goes from strength to strength. He's just an absolute jet, isn't he? And like he kind of comes across as someone who's not. And I mean this with the greatest respect. Like, why why would he have the attributes to do it? But he just does. He's just a match winner. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't scream like he's going to be the an IPL star and an England star when you when you, you first see him. I don't think. But as the old adage goes, he makes things happen. Um, and yeah, he, I think I think it, they'll go Moeen and Sam Cohen to start with. I think there's some pressure on both of them and probably Jason Roy. I think. If they have a bad series, they could find themselves under pressure. Obviously, there's there's Livingston in there and Billings in there who could come in batting-wise, possibly. Obviously, Bairstow's been pushed down to four. And then, as you say, you've got... you've got when It's mad, really, when you think you've got Mark Wood, Tom Curran, and Reese Toffley all sitting on the bench as well. And, like, David Willey. David Willey sat at home, who has been such a good bowler at times for England and white ball. It does seem mad and... I'm glad it's not my job to pick pick the team. I'll be honest, because I'd be just sat there for hours staring at a sheet of about twenty names, going, "I don't know. I want Josh Butler. I want Ben Stokes. I want I want Joffre, and then I don't know. I really don't." Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting one. I think it, it's a shame this isn't on free to air TV because I think this really would have caught the imagination of people. But it'll still be good and I'm sure it'll, there'll be plenty of people watching on Sky and at least at least because it's on Sky we get rid of Sunil Gavaskar's horrendous commentary <laughs> and offering people fights at the age of 72 
as funny as that was. Right, then last thing on this before we'll go we'll on to some other cricket stuff. What are we predicting then as a score? I think, Aid, you gave away yours earlier, but what, what are you going for? And I want you to pick who you think is going to be the star player for each team. Oh, don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm going 3 to England. But I do, th- you know, I do think it could let you go either way. But I'm going to go three to England. Um, star player for both sides, or just the main man for the series. One for England, one for India. Oh, right. Star man for England will be Butler, and for India, I don't want to go Axel Patel after the Test series. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm going to go a batsman again because I think it's just going to be like 200 plays 200. Uh, Rahul, I think I'm going to go for him. Hey, I'll Rahul. Joe, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, I'll go 3 2 India. Uh, Rohit. And uh, Jofra. I'm going to go 3-2 England and I'm going to go for a bit of a different name just because I really like him in the IPL. I'm going to go Ishan Kishan for India. That's even if he gets a game. game. <laughs> yeah, that's if he gets a game. Obviously, that's my issue there. He might not get a game. But if he does, I think he'll show that he's class. And for England, I really don't know. I'm at, Jason Roy, go on. I'd love it to be Jason Roy because I like Jason Roy and I really want him to find his form again. I'm going to go a bit different. I'm going to go Bearstone. Mm. He always impresses me in the IPL. I think he might. This number four role might just be perfect for him, hopefully. So that's England out the way. Now, there has been quite a bit more cricket going on. First of all, I'm going to start off with a bit of a controversy with you. West Indies versus Sri Lanka. West Indies won comfortably. But... The whole collapse for the Sri Lanka started with Pollard taking a great catch, followed by Pollard appealing for and obstructing the field. Now, have you boys both seen this or not? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Right, I'm going to go to Joe first, seeing as he's the professional and the captain. Would you have appealed for that, or would you have allowed your ball to appeal for that? Uh, I'm not having it. It's not, it's not obstructing the field, is it? I think... I can't say I wouldn't have appealed, but I probably I'd like to think I would have come to my senses before it escalated <laughs> to the point where he was walking off. And then, dude, being from the hardcore North Staff League, <laughs> I'm guessing you're appealing for it if you're the bowler. No, I know what you're like. <laughs> probably the same as Jones. I think um, probably because were they like hundred for one or something at that point? I think they were hundred and five for none. Then he got out, so it was under. I think at that point they were like one oh seven for one. Yeah, so you're probably a bit peeved off, aren't you? Because, you know, the game might be slightly getting away from you. And then, you know, it's clearly, it looked like he didn't really know where the ball was. And then as soon as Pollard's got him basically picking the ball up, he does jump back out of the way, doesn't he? And also, he was basically in, and the other lad at the other end, he, he, didn't, he was never going to turn around and throw the stumps down by the time he got back in. Um, you know, like I might have had a bit of a peel, but then, yeah, I wouldn't have gone through with it. Because he just nothing not out, is he? <laughs> yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you all you agree. I thought he was extremely harsh. Just like the soft signal was out as well. I was like, yeah, cricket, cricket Twitter was desperate to give him out because the laws of the game. But then the laws of the game say if he if he willfully, I don't know how you decide if someone willfully did it or not. To be fair, 
But if you, only if you willfully meant to meant to get in the way, and I don't think he did. He literally just yeah. said you can see him just shouting no, and then as soon as Paulo gets close to him, he jumps back. So yeah, I don't think yeah. he was. But there you go. Another game that's been going on is Afghanistan Zimbabwe, and what a turnaround that's been. I mean, Afghanistan lost in two days to Zimbabwe last week. This week, it five hundred forty fifty odd for four declared. <laughs> I mean, what is that about? That clearly it's a classic it's UAE. Yeah, classic UAE pitch whereby last week was an absolute horror show, and this week's gone back to being a road like we've seen before. Um, Shahidi hit two hundred not out. First Afghanistan player to hit uh, a double hundred, and that makes them the quickest country to have a test, have like a, a player in a test match actually get to two hundred. Weirdly, um, I saw that stat today, so that was that was been quite interesting. But Zimbabwe were fifty odd for none at the end of day two, so I've got a feeling draw was written all over it. Yeah, I say I managed to catch about twenty minutes of it today, and like the pace ball was in the first one looked like they were getting a bit out of it and they looked quite sharp, and then. This one, it just looked like, yeah, you could you could have bowled for five days at him and, you know, you probably wouldn't have bowled them out. And then Zimbabwe to be, what, 50-odd for non-off, like 14 overs shows that, you know, it's it's a pretty decent deck. <laughs> Joe, having said that you'd been to the UAE, what, what did you find the decks like? Because I've watched a couple of games there and I think I watched Australia versus was it Pakistan the other year there and then I've watched a bit of this last one. And you seem to either get really good tracks for bowlers or really good tracks for batsmen. You don't seem to get many even wickets. No, I've had uh, exactly that. I've seen both. I've seen it like where it's just like a desert and it doesn't bounce above shin height and people just absolutely smash it everywhere. And then if like for some reason it's cloudy, it does seem to like zip around everywhere. But um, yeah, like you say, never many even games. It just tends to be either like if they're 50 for none, they're getting 600, aren't they? And everyone's yeah. just got to sit around and go through that process. Yeah. Um, the, I imagine it must be brilliant to go and play and watch in the UAE, but like the actual the place looks amazing. But yeah, it doesn't seem to produce many, many classics, I wouldn't have said. Looking at elsewhere, the IPL announced their dates. They don't clash directly with England and New Zealand, so that might help England out a little bit. Starts April the 9th. On April the 8th, the day before it starts, we're hopefully going to have James Butler, the cricket badger, IPL uh, specialist, we'll say, in the cricket podcasting world, joining us for a little preview of that. And it finishes on May the 30th, so two months of solid cricket action there. Uh, next point I've written down is Michael Vaughan. I would just like to wish him a big, uh, <laughs> a big thank you for boosting our followers by about 250 the other day because he retweeted the fact that we didn't uh, agree with him. Didn't actually reply and have a proper conversation with us about why he believed he was right and we were wrong. He just let the thousands upon thousands of Indian cricket fans tell us that we were miserable, um, crying baby England fans. But there you go. But big thank you to Michael for the extra followers anyway. I won't. Um, we won't say no to more followers, will we, dude? We won't, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to boost us off. Um, actually, just a quick one for Joe. What what do you make of the rest and rotation policy? Because Michael Vaughan didn't seem to like the fact that we said that it was important and there was nothing wrong with prioritising different bits of cricket over others and 
sort of evening it out so that obviously they prioritised the World T20 in this this white ball series for 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 Owen Morgan's side, but then obviously going to prioritise the summer and then the Ashes for the Red Bull side. What what did you make of it? I I don't think they could have done anything else, can they? Like I I agree with you guys completely. Like it's all very well being able to say on Twitter and uh, please just no one at Michael Vaughan and let's not <laughs> start this again. But um. I can't see how you can't like it's been such a crap year for everyone. We're all going through like something that's never happened before. And then to ask 20 blokes to just in effect disappear for a year in a hotel room, go from a hotel room back to a cricket ground, back to a hotel room and then expect them not even if like they're willing to do it to expect them to perform over the course of a year is just unrealistic. I reckon so yeah, I reckon it is going to have peed people off that some of the big names missed some of this series. But I guess if in uh, January next year we win the Ashes, everyone can be like, no one will remember these free tests. In fact, if England win in uh, June or July or whenever India come over for the test, no one will remember that we lost in India anyway. So they didn't really have much choice. I think the scheduling is more to blame than uh, the ECB or the selectors. Yeah, I, I I agree. And that was sort of my point to, to Vaughan, but he didn't agree. But hey-ho, I, I won't lose any sleep on Got that. Got you some followers, though. Yeah, I won't lose any <laughs> sleep, mate. And then last thing was, we've had, again, yet more really, really good overseas signings for the county championship. We've seen Marcus Harris announced today for Leicestershire. Um, I think Miguel Cummings has been announced for Kent. Cameron Bancroft going back to I think it was Durham. Um, Wayne Parnell was announced the other day. What? What? Just a quick one, Joe. What? What do you make of obviously the quality of these overseas signings and sort of looking at obviously Worcestershire and who you've got to play? Who? Are you, who are you excited to see and who are you maybe dreading seeing coming running in towards you or standing down the other end with a bat in hand? Uh, well, they're all good, <laughs> is the first thing. Like, Miguel we've had at Worcester, Parnell we've obviously had at Worcester, both serious bowlers. Um, Bancroft has actually played quite a lot of county cricket. Like, he's played for Durham before. So, actually, you know what? One of my sledges is going to involve him because it's the only half-decent one I think I've ever come out with. <laughs> um, so, we'll, we'll revisit that one. <laughs> um, uh, who's the other one? Harris? Yeah, yeah, Marcus he's Harris. Obviously, is he's obviously uh, a very good player to play for Australia. I actually played against him a couple of years ago when um, Australia were over here because they played against Worcester and he opened the batting and he looked obviously a proper player. I think, um, like, you kind of it gets the point, mate. I've played against so many of these massive names that you just kind of have to forget that the names and like you have to turn your cricket fan head off and uh, just realise that it's a game of cricket. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine. Um, you can't it can't be good when when some of these names are running into you thinking, oh my god, he's good. Oh shit, the ball's gone past me. Oh my stomach's <laughs> gone. Um, that would be me. Well, that would be me either that or it hit me in the square in the chest and I'd be in tears, but <laughs> either or. 
Right then, we'll move on then to our last sort of main bit, which we always do lots and lots of club cricket chat, or we try to anyway. Um, we're going to have a little quick recap on last week, because obviously last week we talked about paid players, and then Jono last night was in the chairman's meeting, wasn't he, dude? In the, oh, well, he thought it was tonight. <laughs> he thought it was tonight. It was a good thing I told him it was last. that I was pretty sure it was last night, because otherwise he'd have missed the whole thing, but he did manage to get in a few minutes late. Um, Stand and well, my question is: Is when do we get the consultancy fee off the North Staff League? Because they've clearly been listening, seeing as the main discussion point last night was about paid players. Um, apparently, some clubs paying up to ten players, which yeah. is an interesting ten out of eleven being paid is um, a fair fair amount. Talk of though trying to trying to cut it down, maybe trying to put a limit on it, possibly in the future, down to maybe. Three players. Um, what what do you think of that one, dude? Uh, yeah, it'd be a good idea. But again, how can you kind of? I know you can prove it in some ways, but like you know, a couple of years ago, you'd you'd have like backhanded payments and brown envelopes. Yeah, yeah, brown. You're like, you know, because if if you if you play against someone and you see they've signed loads of players, you're going you're still going to be thinking, oh, these are probably getting a bit of backhand money, and you know, you can't really prove it, but. Um, especially like the lower leagues and stuff, probably like our league and say like Div two to and Div three maybe. I think maybe like two or three because it improves the standard, but then it also gives everyone a game and um, you still got your local lads and the you know the heartbeat of the clubs that are still playing. And then maybe four or five for Prem Div one or something. Um, some you know and anything that stops let's say a full ten or eleven players, I think is. Would be a good idea. Just a quick one for Joe. What do you obviously you play professional cricket? Obviously, your whole squad or most of your squad is obviously a full time pro or on summer contracts at least. So, what do you make of that? Even that, like in the amateur game, because that's what it is at the end of the day, there's teams in, and we're talking like genuine teams in like the second or third division of, of amateur cricket having nine or ten pay- players being paid does that does that sound mad to you or is it just us as um, normal folk that that seems crazy to um diplomatically i can't <laughs> believe it um like I, so i actually can't i would probably be a lot stronger the other way than both of you guys even um some guys in like even prem division cricket will be paid more to play a game of cricket than a pro cricketer will like Imagine that's it. not right is it no that's crazy and, that's that's crazy that is <laughs> like you know i'm talking about like they're really good players you know they're, they're really good amateurs and you know when you start talking about 250 300 quid more than that probably some people getting paid to turn up on a saturday and play that's probably more pro rata than uh, a pro gets paid. Yeah, it is mad. Like, certainly like a young pro. Like For me, that doesn't sit right at all. And then, speaking about paying people down leagues, like again, that's just madness to me. Complete madness. I, I, I know that when I played in the North Staffs League, it was a closed league and you played a pro. And I'm not naive. I know that there was backhanders going on. But I think generally the quality stayed in the at the top of the pyramid then, right? Because 
Um, it would have been so blatantly obvious if someone disappeared mm. down to like division three or four that it just didn't happen. Whereas like as soon as it became open and like I, I do like keep half an eye on it, uh, the North Stats League, like me and Alan Richardson, cause he's obviously a Sto- little Stoke man. Like we always look at the scores and stuff on a Sunday morning and go through it. Like you can't believe that people would go and like, when we're talking about people being paid, like it's like twenty quid, isn't it? <laughs> At times, like, yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I've heard, anyway. It's like, yeah, it ranges from like I've heard everything ranging from like a pound a run or five pound a wicket all the way up to three, four hundred quid just for a game. Yeah, sort of thing. And like, don't get me wrong, can't, it's very easy for me to sit here. I know, and I know people listen to this, but it's very easy for you to say that when you're getting paid to do it. And like, I've been paid to play club cricket before. And I think I, I don't agree with that either, to be honest, you know, like <laughs> I'm not going to turn it down, but like, what are you getting from it? Like club cricket for me, even prem, like prem cricket is about the best cricketers in your area coming together and trying to win a league as mates and as a club. And like that system should work from there all the way down. So, you know, like if you're in division three, you should still be playing with people you want to play with on a Saturday and you want to win and all that kind of stuff. But the most important thing is the social aspect of it as well. Now, certainly like the argument gets harder to make, I suppose, is for Prem cricket because there's so many good players and um, you can't begrudge them earning money to do what they're good at. I get that. But then when it's like, as you say, a pound a run for someone who probably gets 250 runs in a season, it's like, what, what are you gaining from that as a club? Like, surely put that into... And Sorry, I, I don't know how long this podcast can go on for. But, no, no, keep going. Um, <laughs> so at the moment, we've got a situation where the ECB are having to pump money into the 100, which incidentally I think is a good thing because participation's down in, in cricket across the country. Well, participation's probably down because clubs are spending three, four, five grand a year on amateur players rather than three, four, five grand a year on sorting out their junior section and bringing people through and getting kids interested in the game. Because if they did that, that's, how, that's a way of making the standard go up organically and that's a way of keeping our game going rather than having to come up with tournaments like this. Because fundamentally, I reckon the system is neglecting its job at the moment in terms of getting kids to play cricket. I think you've absolutely just hit the nail on the head and said everything I've been thinking for the last few weeks. Oh, like and <laughs> and I, haven't, I haven't put into words that well. So big thank you for that one. Yeah, I think it's quite one a big, of my, um, you know my what? pet hates. It's quite a big topic, actually, in, even pro, like, in our dressing room. We talk about this quite a lot. And like, it is just can't believe it at times, you know? And I think, as I say, like, I can't begrudge anyone who gets offered to play, get paid to play cricket. Like I do it for a living. I've done it for club cricket. I completely get that you can't just turn down the money, but for, and like, I don't blame individuals for doing it, but surely as like a, a bigger structure, like how good a statement would it be if it was just like, you know what, we're not, we're not going to pay players and we're going to invest this money down the pyramid into like creating a, an amazing junior section or an amazing junior facility that 
we're going to be the club that brings through the next um, big thing out of Staffordshire in this example or wherever it might be. We're going to be that club because we're going to invest our money there. Yeah, I think spot on. So is the long-term planning, isn't it? There seems to be the people who, who lead the clubs, who lead the leagues, it's all about short-term success and having that flag that makes me laugh, but having that flag up at the club because they've, they've won a league, whereas long-term planning and sort of the long-term growth of the league should be what everyone's aim is, everyone in the amateur game, that should be, yeah, you want to have fun, yeah, you want to be successful, and yeah, you want to have a good time with your mates, but end of the day you want to grow the game that's that's what we're there for in reality and i think you've hit the nail on the head there that that's where our money should be going we shouldn't be clubs shouldn't be taking grants and loans off the ecb to survive covid but then planning to pay seven eight grand out for a pro this year it's not it's not sensible thinking at all when when you look at it like that so i think the nail on the head was hit there sorry there is there is ways of doing it like if you're a premier league club and you've got your shit together like you've got a thriving junior section, your covers work, you know, your nets are half decent and then you've still got a bit of cash. It's like by all means, but like don't neglect the first things before you go to the next thing, I would say. Yeah. You've got sort of a basis, aren't you? A basic structure to your club. Yeah. Foundation. That's the word. Well, glad you, glad you got the right way. I'm after your job, mate. I know, yeah, if you want it, you can have it. Um, no, I'm you're sure. more than welcome to it, because like, <laughs> I'm not going to be here for the backlash to this conversation. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind the backlash. Everyone knows I'm a wank, uh, wank club cricketer, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> uh, right, well, the actual bit we were get, I was planning on talking about in club cricket was captaincy. Um, obviously, yeah. you're captain of, of Worcestershire, and I'm sure you've played, having played at various different clubs, I'm sure, sort of in club cricket and minor counties you've you've experienced many different captains and I think we can all agree that the captain's job in club cricket is the most thankless task in the world at times what what do you think and Aid, I'll come to you as well on the men because you've played on enough clubs and played under enough captains that you should have a good view on this um what do you think makes a good captain and a bad one and do you think it it's a, it's similar in club cricket to what it is in the pro game or do you think it's a completely different job well like to answer that in a roundabout way cricket like cricket dressing rooms the same doesn't matter whatever standard you play at do you know what i mean like your keeper is always a show pony or their kit stinks and they're scruffy doesn't matter <laughs> what standard you play ash tim Chuk. um yeah <laughs> You know, like you've always got like the gritty medium pace bowler, which I'm thinking about that at Worcester. Who's our gritty medium pace bowler? And that means it's probably me. Which is <laughs> <laughs> you've always got like the guy who, who thinks he's rapid, who turns up with an earring and like just sprays people. Like it, cricket dressing rooms are the same. Um, so, like, in terms of what I think makes a good captain, I think you've got to be level headed, you've got to be consistent day to day. Um, certainly for us, like we go through highs and lows and it happens very quickly, but I think your message needs to be, you know, I think calm, calculated the whole way through. I think the guys who I've seen do it the best, that's what they are, you know, like look at say Owen Morgan's just an easy example. Like he does, he's pretty unflappable whether they win or lose. Um, and then the guys I've seen do it badly are very emotional. They react to losses or bad spells or collapses and stuff and 
if you can kind of keep a level head, I think it'll hold you in good stead. I think that, to me, that that makes loads of sense. I always think the calm and sort of organised and collected ones are always the ones that, that seem better, even if some people quite like the hot-headed captain. It never seems to end well. Dude, what what do you think now you finish scoffing your face? <laughs> um, to do with, obviously, club cricket, I think. Maybe now, obviously... Um, playing in like Div 2 it's still a good standard but obviously it's not as serious as your Prem probably Div 1 is it I think you need someone that's like like say organised and you know we'll do all the off the field stuff and also if you know you've got a couple of couple of lads who aren't getting on or whatever but we'll try and sort it out and stuff but you've also got to remember that it is we are playing for fun do you know what I mean so you, even though you want to win and you want to take it serious there's still got to be that fun side of it as well because if you lose the fun side, you're going to lose players, aren't you? You're going to lose interest because people are giving up the Saturdays and especially in the summer and not going on the ale and stuff all day to play cricket that you you need to still have the fun aspect, don't you? So you need someone who, you know, you can have a laugh with and say, you know, in between balls, in between overs, you can have a laugh with. But also at the end of the day, is still reasonably serious that, you know, you speak about the game during the game and, tactics and all that stuff but there's also someone that's quite organised so it's you know, I'd say it's quite an odd job probably in a, you know club cricket captain because you've got all the off, off the field stuff whereas you know obviously it's, it's definitely going to be harder as a county captain obviously but you know you've got coaches and stuff whereas you know most say Div 1, Div 2 teams don't have a coach do they so you're relying on that, that one person to basically organise everything but um, I think it's it, the main point is Still trying to keep it fun. Um, otherwise, like I say, you're probably going to lose some players or they're going to be like, oh, I just want to play second team or I want leave or whatever. And basically what you don't want is Kim Barnett to drop your first weekend, do you, mate? Well, well that was halfway through the season, mate. <laughs> I've been so desperate to try and get you to just like slag off Kim Barnett over these last eight weeks and it's still hasn't happened. John, it's not only a since he was skipper, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, slating him. Johnny was weirdly just messaging me as you said his name there, just saying that he's only just got in from work and sat down. So, big shout out to Johnny. Who was, sounds like he's having a nightmare day. Johnny, actually, we played Lucy to him, and we, we got him. I think it was literally like seventy for nine. We're all me- you know messing about and everything. And I think Johnny was in one for some reason. I can't I think he'd fall out with someone. And he was like, "Not today, lads!" And he was kicking off. We were like, "All right, mate, we're only seventy for nine. <laughs> And the funny thing was, we won by one wicket. <laughs> mad. Mad. Never right. Uh, just quickly, Joe, have you got any sort of hints or any tips you'd give to someone who's like, is a club captain, what what they could do to maybe, not necessarily do a better job, but obviously imp- improve the, the experience, the game, or the performances for a team in, in club cricket or anything? I think, oh, First of all, club cricket captain's job is way harder than mine. Right. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. I'm not organised. I wouldn't be able to do any of that kind of stuff. I reckon... Um, I think the key, and this is kind of when I get asked this about any kind of cricket, whether you're a batter bowler, and I guess captain's job is to help this, is to try and make it as simple as you can for your team. You know, really simple instructions. If you're... Um, just like hit the top of off stump with the ball and just field as well as you can. You know, like as the simpler you keep it, 
the better you'll be, the more consistent you'll be. Would be my thing, yeah. Sounds good. I'll, I'll try and... I was going to say, I'll try and remember that one, but I've, I've managed to get rid of the skipper's job this year. So I think right. one thing as well, Tina, obviously, like, you know, I'm, I'm quite close to John anyway, aren't I? But I think someone you can actually speak to, you know, like, as a bowler, like, you know, I've played enough, played enough now in enough clubs that you know what sort of field you want and, you know, if someone's going to come in and try to slap a few, you know what field you want. But, you know, sometimes you'll get someone who's like, you know, that's, that's the way we're doing it, you know, not... You're not, I'm not listening to your plans or whatever, but you do need someone that will just listen to you and think, yeah, go on, we'll try it your way for a bit. If it doesn't work out, then we'll try it another way, do you know what I mean? But I think, you know, communication is quite key. Um, because otherwise, again, if you're a baller, you're just going to be like, well, you know, I can't I can't set my own fields and stuff like that. But then there's also, you don't want to be a captain that just lets the bowler just pick everything, do you know what I mean? You've still got to be in control sort of thing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So hopefully that's given all the club captains from North Staffs who are sat at home a little bit of a tip for what to do. The other tip from Joe should, of course, be that they should always pick A. Lalo to open the bowling and bat five, and they should always pick No, five's to... too high, mate. Oh, sorry, mate. They probably switched off when I had a go at them for paying all their players. <laughs> <laughs> I've also made it sound like John is a good skipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to give him too much... Um, of an ego boost. I know he's had a bad day at work, but can't can't be giving him too many compliments. Just then to finish off on the club cricket then, Joe, we'll go back to our little question about the sledges. So do you want to talk us through sort of the best and worst sledges? I'm looking forward to the Bancroft one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether I've oversold it, to be honest. <laughs> like, both of these might just be funny for me. That's always the hard thing with this, isn't it? When you're chucking a sledge out there, it might just be funny for me, but... We, we played Durham just back. So Bancroft went to Durham straight after his ban. And like we played them like third game and uh, second innings. I had him plumb LBW first ball, not given. So I was like just starting to tick. And then like fourth ball of the over, like he knit one down the leg side and the keeper caught it and he stood there. And I was like, fuck me, I thought you were reformed. <laughs> oh, I like he, that. Still, he got 100. <laughs> oh, dear. It didn't work. But the, be- the best one I've heard on the field, and I'm not going to name names because I think it's a bit unfair, really. But we had, um, so we had Ajmal playing for us. And we were playing against a county who aren't traditionally known as the strongest team in the country i mean you you will be able to narrow this down quite quick if you quite savvy (laughs) and anyway we had them nine down and this team have got like had they had like a a gobby spinner who was shite like really bad (laughs) and like was widely recognized as being really bad and two of our lads had played with this guy in adelaide the previous winter at the darren lehman academy i don't know if you've heard of that basically like eight or ten pros go and they all live together and stuff and they were like, he's a legend, like really good bloke. Because he was the, one of those guys on the circuit. Everyone was like, he's a dick. Because <laughs> all he does is spray you. And they're like, no, honestly, I'm telling you, he's an absolute legend. So anyway, nine down, we've got like six men around the bat. And I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I'm trying not to name names. So the two lads he played with, 
one was at silly point and one was at short leg. So you know, Ajmal bowls the first ball, which was like a doucher, which he played and missed at. And first slip goes, right then, lads. Have you seen a worse player in county cricket ever? <laughs> and this guy was like, stood over his back. He looked up with like puppy dog eyes, like his two best mates. That He thought it was two best mates after six months in Adelaide. And they both just went, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was insane. Yeah, so they might just be funny to me because I've seen them firsthand, but. So, um, I, 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 look, there's some, I've had some beauts in the North Staffs League as well. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of good ones in that Betley game. but <laughs> I'm just glad the Bancroft one was after that South Africa tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, like, all of our lads were laughing. He didn't see the funny side of it at all, which made it even funnier. <laughs> yeah, that's... I must admit, as you say, you never know how a sledge is going to go down. I, I said one last year, and I thought it was dreadful. As it came out of my mouth, I thought, that's shit. No one's going to find that funny. And then the, the actual batsman pissed himself, thought it was hilarious, and I, I was couldn't believe it. But then well, he I, I generally don't don't sledge because I'm just I'm not good enough to back it up. And like you just but that was the, that was not really a sledge. It was more just like spur of the moment. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever come up with it again. <laughs> well, I must have probably got angry, but I've calmed down a bit now, so <laughs> I don't really I don't especially only rolling eight or so overs. You just you just bowl your few overs now, you go stand on the boundary and chill, chill afternoon. Yeah, I don't I don't really do angry sledges. I just do like stupid trying to wind people up or put them off by laughing sledges. I can't. My best ones is like I can't be horrible. Someone says something to me. I'm like, mate, I really can't bat that. You know, I can give it a little whack from time to time, but I really can't bat. So, you know, you're bowling your your heart out and you're giving me a load of stick for not being able to bat. And then the best bit is when you hit them for four after. Then you just go down. (laughs) Tap in the middle of the pitch and just laugh at them. <laughs> then they normally, they normally send your pegs everywhere after. But... Yeah, but you had that little mini victory. Yeah, that little... That's all that matters, yeah. isn't it? Mm. That is all that matters. Right then, I think that's time to move on to our very last thing that we always do, and that is Room 101. Now, last week, Jim Amos, he, he wanted the, the team chant to go in the bin. I hate to tell him, but it's been saved. Quite a few people, I think it was about 60% of the vote, saved the team chant. Even that, let's be honest, it wasn't the greatest one, was it? The Sussex by the Sea. Want my um, bag well, anyway? I've been a fan of it, but it was shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was I've just heard a that really... a few times, by the way. Is it just us that thinks that's a really shite chant, or is, no, is, it, is it just? I agree with you. It, which there's a, couple of, there's a couple of counties that have really good ones that I've seen in the past, and typically ahead of that vote, I could not find them anywhere on on Twitter, but I could find that Sussex one that Jim had sent me and um yeah, not 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 my personal favourite, but they've they've been saved anyway, so you can still keep doing your team chants next year, everyone. Uh so Joe, what are we gonna go for for this week? What would you like to try and get put in the bin? We had Ben what did Benny Benny Owl put tried to put the showers he wanted everyone to have a shower, didn't he? And he didn't he didn't want the draw anymore. Um We've had a few, haven't we? Shit, shit Tease was one from John O'Gordon of Woodstock. Obviously, you're a sponsor, Joe, so... Was it the Colour Helmets? Was that one of them? Oh, yeah, that one went in the bin. Coloured, mm. The wrong coloured helmets and wearing a helmet with your club badge on it when you're playing amateur cricket was went in the bin. So, Did what were we thinking, Joe? Yeah, that got so, binned. So, this is 
again, like I might get be really unpopular with off-season club captains there, but um, I'm going for the big. It's just it's pretty recent, but the big Twitter announcement for a signing, like the build-up, like it's transfer deadline day. <laughs> when did that become a thing? Hey, I do a great job of doing that for the old wedgies. Oh, we never really sign anyone, so I'm fine. <laughs> get it done. I like. I'm not. I'm not having that. Yeah, that, that's put that up for me. Put that right, out there. I'm happy. Yeah, to and I get rubbed just because of some teams are like, oh yeah, this guy's an all-rounder and all this, and we're like, mate, he's literally got about 20 runs last season, <laughs> and about two wickets. You can't class him as an all-rounder. It's the drum yeah, roll ones. It's like yeah. signing announcement, like three o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's too far. I I announce our club signings, but and I do them a little like quick graphic on Canva or whatever, but. It's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give him a drum roll. Um, uh, see you in our three hours, sort of thing. No. I've seen that with Warwick. Warwick should have been doing that a lot, like the last couple of weeks on Twitter. And yeah. they're like, oh, give it, give it a couple of hours, and everyone's thinking it's like, oh, we've got a contract extension for one player, and like, Is that it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw him. Um, Kent, Kent did it earlier, and people were taking the piss, saying, "Oh, is it Darren Stevens signing another five-year contract <laughs> extension?" Which made me laugh. But yeah, I think it must be lesson number one of doing a so sports social media degree must be this is how you tease, tease a um, signing announcement for about four hours. It's a bit like, I know I don't want to turn this to football, but I always remember Vale making a big thing out of the fact that we were going to sign someone on deadline day under Norman <coughs> Twat Smithwaite. And um, he, it turned out to be, I think it was Danny Pugh, um, Dan Trickett-Smith from Leak Town, and some keeper from like who was like fifth choice at Celtic or something at Daft, who turned out to be not didn't actually know how catchable. And so people had stayed up to eleven o'clock being promised this triple signing and it was wasn't wasn't worth it, shall we say. Um but yeah. I, so I can I can believe that one. So often you get videos and stuff as well, and you get like proper cringy videos, don't you? And you're like, Yeah, oh come on, stop it. <laughs> yeah, not good. Yeah, but like it seems to have like filtered its way down. Like I follow some of the Shropshire League teams. Like filtered its way all the way down, like to there. It's like <laughs> what you've got forty-seven followers. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't disagree. To be fair, was that so, lad that was giving us loads, Tony, on uh, Twitter? Which one? And he was. He had like thirty followers, but he followed like three thousand people. Oh, was... I doubt that. We have plenty. <laughs> we have. We have plenty. And normally, to be fair, they're Indian cricket fans. Yeah, that's what it was because they, they, they were, give oh, us. Yeah. To be yeah, fair, it is funny though reading some of them. Like, I get it, I get them all the time. Someone <laughs> actually created an Instagram account saying "Get Leech Out" once. <laughs> it's like when they have no picture and stuff of themselves either, and he's just literally like, "Who are you?" <laughs> you know, yeah. You've got ten There's... followers and you've got no picture. <laughs> the Indian cricket fan with the picture set is Virat Kohli or Sachin Tendulkar, telling you that you know nothing about cricket. That. Uh, England are the worst team on earth, and Virat Kohli can beat us on his own. Them ones do my tree, and mainly because, if, especially when Michael Vaughan decided retweet us, my God, my phone was going like a, like mad, vibrating constantly for about six hours, and it was just Indian fan after Indian fan giving us absolutely loads about that was and, Saturday morning ones. Yeah, and the worst bit was is that they're all like having a go at. Guys, and I'm saying no, but we actually agree with what you're saying. Big shout out to Lee Bishop there, giving us a little <laughs> wave in the background. Um, yeah, he was 
They're like giving you loads saying, oh, you're using the rest and rotation policy as an excuse. And I was like, no, I'm saying that the rest and rotation policy has had nothing to do with the fact that we've lost. Michael Vaughan's the one who's who's crying about it. And, oh, he did my head in, in the end. Which is probably why I got a bit um, snotty with a few of these. A few of them, but so be it. Right, I think that's it, boys. I think we've we've managed to drag it out for an hour and a half. I'm sure we'll send a couple of people to sleep, and Joe might have upset a couple of people in North Staffs, but I'm sure he'll still get offered the odd pro, the odd sub pro job along the way. Um, but a big thanks, Joe, for joining us because it's been really good to have you for the whole thing. And I think everything you said about the paid players and stuff was proper nail on the head stuff, and was just really interesting and good to hear sort of someone else's opinion on it. Also, thanks for joining us. Oh, cheers. Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me. Sorry if I upset anyone. Nah, we, we're yeah, happy. We normally do that anyway. It's fine. So, yeah, big thanks to Joe. Big thanks to Woodstock again for supporting us. Um, and you'll hear their advert again in a little bit. Make sure you use our discount code if you're going to get yourself some kit from there. Don't want you missing out on 25% off. Obviously, if you're listening to this, then big thank you. But if you could give us a review, if you could subscribe, that'd be amazing. Um, pushes us further up in the charts and stuff. Means more people get to see us and listen to us. Um, so that'd be really helpful. And obviously, keep following and keep keep commenting, keep getting involved, sending us questions. Been really good this week having three or four questions to to pass on from you guys. That's been really good. Next week we have another guest. We have Lancashire legend, I would say, Steve Croft, joining us hopefully. Um, to talk about, obviously, still playing the county game. And I'm sure he'll talk us through, again, being a captain in county cricket and obviously doing well in the blast as well as county championships. That should be really good. So get your questions in for him. And have a really good week, guys. Make sure you vote in our poll. See if you agree with Joe or not. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Looking for a new cricket equipment partner for yourself or your club can sometimes be tricky with so many options to choose from. How do you make the right choice? When you want quality, value and service, there really is only one place to start. For more than a decade, Woodstock Cricket have been producing award-winning, high-performance cricket bats from their Shropshire workshop. Matched with their classy soft goods, luggage and accessories, Woodstock Cricket really do tick all the boxes. Get in touch with Woodstock Cricket and find out why many loyal clubs, players and international customers can't be wrong at info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. Down at Third Man, the cricket podcast, proudly supported by Woodstock Cricket. Yeah.